Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Realm of Unknown podcast. If you guys are new here, this is a paranormal and supernatural podcast that kind of discusses pretty much anything weird and bizarre in the world, and uh, we're looking to continue that moving forward with some of these creepy stories. If you are returning, though, there's a little bit of banter. Um, I'm sure you guys from the last episode are somewhat aware that we currently had just launched a website which is at the moment being updated with all of the recent episodes as well as you know everything that's going on and the episode scripts because these are recorded are also being uploaded there for anyone who prefers to read and have the resource links um i'm not going to be like announcing for the most part every source i i mention uh, because I do document them, and they're going to be over there, uh, so that you guys can, you know, find the articles, find the documents, and sort of read for yourself where I'm sourcing this material for each episode. Otherwise, though, there's not really a whole lot of new stuff going on. Kind of just doing this, you know, normal thing. Um, doing some freelance work at the moment. Um, otherwise, doing this and uh, job hunting. So interesting time and hopefully going to be enjoying the summer a bit because 2020 did not offer that so 2021 is going to have to step up its game but yeah so aside from that before we get started i do have a quick promo that i want to run for you guys for the horrifying history podcast they are a fellow podcast that kind of goes into the bizarre and intriguing aspects of history and just straight weirdness of the world similar to us so if you enjoy topics that we discuss here then you're going to love stuff that they discuss over there all right so before we begin take a listen to the horrifying histories podcast and we'll be right back if you like weird and strange history then i have the podcast for you my name is brenda and i'm the host of horrifying history are you into the dark side of history Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We talk about the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, cursed items, and unsolved mysteries, and then we look into the science and documentation to see where does the truth actually lie. Want to get spooky with us? Get your Horrifying History fix by subscribing to Horrifying History, which you can find on any major podcast provider. Okie doke. So we're back. Um, again, be sure to check out Horrifying Histories if you guys enjoyed. Uh, if you like topics like what we're going to be discussing, then you're going to have a fun time over there as well. Uh, so in today's episode, we shall be discussing one of the more prevalent aspects of the paranormal, at least from what I've established, and a sort of staple within the genre that we have actually talked about in the past. Uh, this being haunted roads and highways, with today's spotlight being on Constitution Drive right here in Pennsylvania. So Constitution Drive is a long, desolate stretch of wooded roads that's kind of partially unpaved, 
and it's situated along both the Lehigh River as well as some railroad tracks on the other side of that river. Uh, this road is located in Allentown, PA within Salisbury Township if you wish to venture there yourself. So, there are several legends that are associated with Constitution Drive, like many haunted and creepy roads out there. There's kind of a grab bag of everything that you can kind of assume when it comes to the paranormal. This includes... Um, this includes psycho uh, albinos who go ballistic if you venture too far into what they call their home. Uh, they are also reported to push cars into the river if you get out of them and leave them unattended. Another legend is the malevolent spirit of a young girl who is oftentimes reported screaming in the night. Uh, again, you're out in the woods, so that's not, not the best. Um, however, the most common tale there is comes from an apparition of a man who is seen spotted with his two dogs. For the most part, this is probably the most common Ermid legend that you'll hear from the region. And we'll get into all of these stories a little bit after we discuss the road itself and the history that it has. The road itself, again, is unpaved. It's a single lane that stretches a little under three miles along the Lehigh River. Uh, it helps to connect Allentown and Bethlehem. And more accurately, it straddles the Allentown and uh, Salisbury Township line, so it kind of is a dividing street. The street is primarily located in the Lehigh Uplands Preserve, which is a large swath of heavily wooded areas, and it's kind of desolate. Um, it's kind of pushed aside from everything else, but it's located up on Lehigh Mountain. As stated earlier, there is a local railroad uh, line that runs parallel to the road. However, it has been since debunked and is no longer in use. However, the rail tracks on the opposite side of the river are active as well. The road is also situated uh, again alongside the city line. Uh, and this is actually marked by a historic stone spring that is built into the mountainside itself. I'll be sharing a few images and stuff of the road over on Patreon, as well as Instagram. So if you guys want to check this out, be sure to go over there, and I'll be posting uh, some images of the spring as well, because it's actually kind of neat. So Constitution Drive used to be a sort of lover's lane back in the day. I feel like most streets have been at some point, but it has that history to it. However, there is a rather unsettling feeling now when you are on the road. Uh, we even have a full article that we're going to be breaking down um, that we, I'm going to be referencing for this, this next long segment uh, coming from the Morning Call, which is a local newspaper and news organization located in the area. They actually covered Constitution Drive fairly in depth during the late 80s. And uh, so the article took place on November 6th, 1987, and it was written by Christian or uh, Kristen Kosler. Uh, and this goes into detail about the really the darker side of Constitution Drive and what it has to offer. Uh, and they don't even go into the ghosts or the legends because I think that became a bit more of a modern thing because these people back in 1987 were dealing with a lot of real-life craziness, to say the least. So Constitution Drive, for years, uh, and at this point I'm getting into the article, 
uh, for years has been the site of indiscriminate trash dumping. Um, the trash estimates the uh, trash estimates from the state and the officials who did their own little report uh, have it that the road houses roughly 50 to 100 tons of abandoned appliances, construction materials, and household garbage. And again, this is, it's not the biggest street, it's again just under three miles, but Constitution Drive itself is only like half that road. Um, there is another road that connects up with it called Cardinal Drive, and the two of them together are essentially the same road, but we're only discussing the one segment. So on top of this, uh, all this illegal dumping, there are also reports of gunshots, arson, burglary, uh, there are accounts of rape and other incidences happening along the road. Um, and this has actually forced homeowners and neighbors to live in fear, especially back when this article was written um, during like the 80s, the 70s, uh, and around that era. Some prominent characters in relation to the accounts that we will be discussing are the Edenharts uh, and their neighbors. Um, Edenharts are probably the primary source when it comes to a lot of the accounts for the article. Um, however, these neighbors do include property owners and uh, businesses such as the Bethlehem Steel Corp, uh, Conrail, and the KK Crazer Stone Company, um, all having been, you know, witnesses or victims to repeated crimes uh, that pretty much plagued the area. And in some cases, they were victims because they tried to prevent crimes from happening. And uh, at the time, uh, the Salisbury Township Police Chief, Charles uh, Dooner, said that the area was just naturally encouraging of crime because of the pretty remote seclusion that it has. Uh, however, that he, he does go on to add that the residents kind of maybe blew it out of proportion. However, as we go into it, you'll kind of see why they're a little bit niffed. So, Eberhard, on the other hand, uh, as I'm mentioning, pretty much says that, yes, there were quiet periods, however, they came in very random spurts, but for the most part, they had pretty consistent crime for a good portion of, like, a decade or so. Um, he kept his own collection of files, logging incidences, uh, newspaper clippings, letters, congressional correspondences, police reports from the area along with collecting maps and photographs of things that were going on. Ultimately, he says that the crime problem in the area was far bigger than what the Salisbury uh, Township Police were willing to even acknowledge. Uh, Eberhard, uh, his own house was actually broken into four times since he moved to the property. And again, uh, this was between the years of 1979 and 1987 when this article was published. And uh, his own records log 35 criminal and suspicious activities, and this excludes the dumping. Like, this is everything but the dumping that happens pretty much on, like, a daily basis. And uh, these reports that he collected, these 35 accounts, stretch along uh, Constitution Drive going east into the Cardinal Drive that I mentioned 
as well as segments of uh, River Road, and the reports themselves start from as early as 1983 uh, in July up until November of 1987, again, when the interview and the article took place. So he, he was actually, he has had stuff happen to him longer than he even started documenting. So this is, this is only like four years worth of documents, and he has 35 incidences on this mile stretch of road where like no one lives so on march 30th 1986 we're going to go into some of the reports here uh the everharts were awoken by shots being fired at their house uh one 22 caliber bullet actually penetrated the living room wall and dropped to the floor and a second shot entered through a window, ricocheting off the ceiling and embedding itself in the opposite wall. Uh, police did investigate the incident, however, no arrests were made, and the uh, Everhart family ended up sleeping with a shotgun after that point. After this, actually, uh, Ebenhart, along with his neighbor, Ismail uh, Rodriguez, who we will be discussing more later on, have both reported several gunshots uh, in the area pretty much since that point. Like, it's just gunshots every now and then, uh, just randomly out in the woods. But another crime that's kind of a bit more uh, prevalent, I would say it's probably one of the more reoccurring ones, along with, the, obviously, the illegal dumping that's happening pretty much all the time. Uh, is arson, and that is pretty much a huge issue when it comes to the area. Ebenhard reported fires at the KK Crazer Stone Company on three separate dates, these being September 23rd, 1984, May 3rd, 1986, and June 28th, 1986. He also logged arsons at the historical fountain, uh, the one that I mentioned earlier that separates uh, the township lines. Uh, again, on three separate dates, being May 12th, 1986, June 28th, 1986, and July 9th, 1987. Um, a fire was also started by vandals on December 20th, 1986, which destroyed a railroad car that uh, on the tracks just off of Constitution Drive. So, 1986 had a lot of fires from, like, spring into winter. There's a lot. However, all these reports that he's compiling don't even account for the numerous, like, small fires that get started every year. He's only, like, uh, reporting on the bigger fires that, like, people had to get called in for. Um, but they had arsons pretty much every few days, every few weeks type thing uh, that were happening, like, all the time. On two separate occurrences, um, we're going to talk about some heavier-ish crimes uh, for the most part, but there are a few that are a bit more severe. Uh, on two separate occurrences, um, two women have reported being sexually assaulted and raped in the dense woods. Um, this uh, is according to two articles from the Morning Call. These took place on October 23rd, 1978, and October 3rd on 1986. Again, 1986 is a really rough year. 
two dozen morning call articles backed up in the mid-1970s also support the fact that the neighborhood has been having complaints of theft, burglary, uh, vandalism, and again, more arson for a good while. Um, again, this article that I'm referencing for all these notes is from 1987. So even them doing their own research going back in the area is finding that these accounts have been coming back for at least a decade or two. Despite the ongoing criminal situation, police at the time were just not able to properly monitor this secluded road. The township police force was spread rather thin. Uh, additionally, the fact that the road sat along the township line didn't really help. Uh, a lot of the reports came from the Salisbury Township side of the road, meaning that the Allentown uh, police force that patrolled their area wouldn't be in the spots where a lot of these criminal uh, offenses were taking place. Uh, at the peak of its this time, um, about three arrests for illegal dumping were made in the area every month. Every month. Like, that. that that's a lot. And, and again, this is at its peak, so, I, like, throughout the 80s. Several more citations were handed out for trespassing uh, when it comes to the Bethlehem Steel Company that we talked about. And ultimately, the area, it was just, you know, it wasn't a high priority for patrols because not a lot of people lived there. And the city was right across the river, which had a lot more, you know, a lot more places that they had to actually look over rather than pretty much patrolling the woods like there's there's not a whole lot of people that live in this area okay so this situation this sort of crime um began to spread um and this kind of complicated things uh, but at the same time gave a bit more of a spotlight as to what was going on in that little wooded area so residents that lived uphill um and closer to other populated areas within the region were beginning to feel the brunt of this sort of vandalism and crime. Uh, the Bethlehem Steel Company that we talked about, uh, their property was pretty much overtaken by four-wheel drive trails, um, these being people who ventured up there on the weekends and took their uh, all-terrain vehicles with them. And according to a Morning Call article, a 21-year-old man was actually killed when he was thrown from his all-terrain vehicle, uh, this taking place on April uh, in 1985. Uh, additionally, they're kind of fed up. Again, this is the Bethlehem Steel Company and their property in the area. They're kind of fed up with all the trash that's being dumped there now, uh, along with broken beer bottles in the streets. And again, the unregistered all-terrain vehicles that pretty much rode at any given hour throughout the day or night. Uh, Philadelphians, uh, you will know that pain. <laughs> but this also continued with the added reports of gunshots in the area, poaching, uh, as well as vehicles being burned and turned over along the roadside. Like, just really random, like, Mad Max type stuff. Like, you'll just wake up one day and there's a car burning. It's it's just so bizarre that, like, this little stretch of, like... It's literally, at most, like, a three-mile radius. It, it's such a small spot of secluded woods where all this is happening. 
So, Ismael Rodriguez, I'm going to talk about some of the resident reports. Um, we mentioned him earlier. He reported his mailbox was shot with a rifle about a year back. So, this is in 1986 when his report came. And the bullet actually just missed his house by a few feet. Joseph uh, Zangara, who owns the property that actually houses the Eberhard lot, has had similar reports of both theft and arson. Uh, in fact, his truck was actually stolen in uh, February of 1984, and it was found overturned and crashed in Eberhard's front yard. Stephen Biez, uh, who has lived on uh, Cardinal Drive, again, this is the pretty much the northern section of Constitution Drive. Uh, Stephen has lived here for 61 years. And uh, Cardinal Drive, again, is part of that segment. Steven says that these events have pretty much plagued Constitution Drive for a long, long time. Um, they did not just pop out of the blue, you know, in the 80s. Uh, he does recount that there was a report that a woman was found beaten and thrown off the edge of the road about 20 years prior, so the late 60s. And his wife even found a projectile that was shot through their roof a few years back. So th this has been happening for a while. Uh, residents and property owners have put a lot of effort into trying to fix the issue. They had neighborhood patrols, organized trash pickup. They had attorney consultations in order to mark the beginning of restoration efforts. Um, and neighbors actually contacted their, you know, legislators, uh, several residents attended township meetings between the years of uh, 85 and 87, demanding that there be an increase to police patrols in the areas because it's gotten so bad. And uh, to, a, to a degree, they actually got what they wanted. Um, increased patrols following these meetings actually did come about. And it actually resulted in a hundred trespassing and dumping arrests in just three months. Um, this is according to the Salisbury Township Police Chief. Uh, however, you know the, the neighbors at the time were very happy. They were saying like, "This is what we wanted." Obviously, the added police presence is doing its job. It's going to be frightening off troublemakers that you know are maybe a bit more skittish. However, this isn't a really feasible long-term solution, and the police force just wouldn't have the manpower to do it all the time. The only, you know, permanent solution would be to pretty much shut down the road to the public, uh, which was actually something that was discussed um, in, I believe, 19, again, in late 1987, uh, the State Department of Environmental Resources and Waste Management actually got involved, and they sort of had some sit-down talks with both Allentown and Salisbury Townships in order to figure out, like, what are we going to do with this road, what's going on, how do we fix this, essentially. And for the most part, I'm not fully aware of what happened to these restoration efforts, um, I'm a bit lost. Uh, there aren't really a whole lot of articles or news coverage that I could find when it comes to what happens after 1987. Uh, no one really talks about what, like, restoration stuff. 
there was an article published a month prior to what we're discussing in October of 1987. Uh, however, that mentions pretty much the same stuff. Uh, as for Constitution Drive today, people do still live on the property. They're actually, they, they actually have a few locations that are being sold on, on Zillow uh, for a rather cheap price, actually. Uh, the road does still have a really creepy factor to it. Especially at night, obviously it's going to happen when you have a wooded road. I don't think there are that many lights on the road either, so it's going to add to that eeriness. Um, I did find a recent coverage from uh, WFMZ News. They are a local Allentown station that does go into mentioning that four people were recently ticketed for illegal dumping. This took place in 2020, so fairly recent. So that, that sort of trash stuff is still happening. It, it took, well, to be fair, it did take place on a separate road uh, within the city, but it's like literally a five minute distance from Constitution Drive. Uh, and we know that stuff kind of spread from this area to begin with. However, I didn't spot further crime reports. Uh, however, I'm fully sure that within 30 years, something happened on the road. Uh, I'm just not quite sure what and to what frequency. You are still able to visit the road. It, it never got shut down. It didn't become private property. Uh, but do be aware that the police do patrol the area a bit more frequently now. And they will pull you over if they believe that, you know, you don't belong there or you're acting suspicious. Maybe just mention that you're ghost hunting. They might just, like, tell you to leave or something. Um, otherwise, just, you know, be cautious if you're going to the area. Okie doke. So, um, what about the ghost stories? Because we talked a lot about the history. Uh, I, I mentioned over on Twitter that I'm re-recording this, actually, um, from what I originally had. Because I was not fully aware of all the history that this location has to it. Specifically, like, dark history because I, I kind of wanted to go back and add some info when it comes to the location. I, I kind of want to keep doing that for spots. And uh, I stumbled across an article, which is like two pages long, and it gave me pretty much everything I needed when it came to what was happening. Um, so now, what about the ghosts and the urban legends of Constitution Drive? Uh, as mentioned, there are a few uh, that we discussed in the opening part of the episode, and I'm going to be going into each one of them on its own. So first off, we have the albinos in the woods. So first off, first before anything, I want to say that the supposed albino wildman community out in the woods, I'm going to be frank, and I'm going to be upfront. I find these stories incredibly stupid. Just going to be real blunt there. You hear stories like this pretty much all over the place. We, we actually talked about it when we discussed Clinton Road a while back, uh, located in New Jersey. Apparently that road had an albino population in the woods. Other locations in New Jersey, PA, Delaware, I'm sure other locations too, have these random tribes of albino people that just live in the woods for some reason. Like, they're all, like, either cannibals or they're just deranged. And it, it just seems as if, like, 
if the area is secluded in the woods, then there has to also be a violent population of albino people living nearby. Like, it's such a tired trope. And, like, I genuinely... I don't understand why it's attached to a lot of these locations. Like, if you take Constitution Drive, for example, uh, the road isn't far from population. Like, yes, it's secluded if you're just there, but the road itself is partially bordering the Lehigh River. And on the other side of that river is the city of Allentown. Like, and if you go on either end of the road, there are busier streets and houses and businesses like this isn't the middle of nowhere miles away from civilization that you can like build a village out in the woods like this is a road that just happens to have woods on it and the properties are bigger like that's the only difference and um i i, I just find it really dumb uh, i'm sorry to the people out there who believe in the albino populations of their local areas truth be told it's a little naive and i know i'm being a little mean here but it is stupid <laughs> normally i'm not but it's like it's just so dumb and it's so like immature to think that a population of albino people like why like out of everything why and and of course you know if we continue to look into constitution drive uh, the house that the supposed albinos inhabitant, like the the abandoned house they all live in, uh, it's actually owned by a, a normal old man. And for the for all accounts from people who have gone and visited him because of this dumb story, he's very friendly. <laughs> like he's very understanding of like, yeah, I know my house is attached to an urban legend, and I know sometimes it could be scary. I have attack dog signs on the property they're friendly and like all this i'm like oh my god like leave this dude alone he he thinks also that perhaps due to the fact that his house actually was once a i believe like a pig farm or something uh that perhaps maybe seeing the pigs had something to do with why people thought there was a tribe out there similarly uh local radio DJs kind of hyped up the story for a while too and it just became its own thing um honestly I don't put a lot of credence into it but it's one of those stories you just kind of have to discuss because it's you know so heavily connected with the area but uh moving away from you know the more tropey uh stories uh we have a bit more of a unique sort of local legend to the area and this is the one that we mentioned uh, at the beginning saying that it's probably the most common one that you'll hear when it comes to constitution road or drive uh, and this is the ghost man with his dogs so the agreed upon legend relates to a male spirit who was struck by a train during his life and the accident would sever one of his legs um, however, at this point is where the legends kind of deviate, and there are a few variations to what happens next. Most stories have him walking with uh, his pair of dogs uh, along the tracks when he was struck, and some accounts say that the man lied on the isolated road after being hit 
for two days after his leg was severed, and eventually he would die from blood loss. And his two dogs would never leave his side, and ultimately they would die alongside him. In another version, both him and his dogs would be struck by the train together, and they died instantly. Like, all three of them, they just died immediately, and the man's leg, again, was severed. And then there are a few handful of accounts that say that the man was a worker on the railroad when he was struck. And there is even, like, a very, very small portion um, that say that the man was struck by the train and never had dogs. Like, the, the dogs came later into the picture. Nowadays, though, if you are ghost hunting in the area, uh, people agree that the man's spirit is still walking along the road, accompanied by the dogs. Um, the dogs themselves are often reported with glowing uh, red eyes, which is creepy on its own, right? And when it snows, so if you go in the winter time, people have reported seeing the tracks of two just normal dogs, four feet, everything. Um, being accompanied by a single footprint trail of a person walking alongside them. So, in some eerier stories when it comes to this man, say that the man, again, never died with the dogs, but instead they kind of came to accompany them after death. And when it comes to these variations of the story, it also claims that the group wanders the road and the local areas just aimlessly, but as they're wandering around, they leave behind a long trail of blood, uh, essentially as the man limps away with only one leg. And next up, as mentioned earlier, there is at least one other spirit uh, that we know of that could potentially be haunting Constitution Drive. Uh, and this is the being of a young girl who, from what I can gather, is never actually seen. Um, I don't see any accounts of her being spotted or captured on, on camera or footage. She's only ever been heard. She is one of the strange phenomena that happen on the road, and this involves the phantom screaming of this young girl. Again, you're out in the woods, and there's a girl screaming her head off. Various EVPs have been captured along the road in order to back up the claims of this paranormal activity. Uh, and if I could try to find some, I haven't been able to find any. I will post them and uh, share them over on the Patreon for you guys. However, some say that the legend may have simply just arose because of the, you know, heavy crime rate that we um, have found when it comes to the area. And that people are just kind of attributing spooky, screaming girls to violent crimes that are always happening. Either that, or people are misinterpreting the calls of turkey vultures, which also live in the area. And finally, uh, when it comes to the weird phenomena that occur along the road, we have the whistling of Constitution Drive. So, it is reported to come from pretty much every direction along the road. Uh, this weird, mysterious whistling sound. Um, and it has no explanation. People just randomly hear it. It stops and goes at random. It doesn't have any 
you know, rhyme or reason to it. It can happen at night, it happens during the day, if you're just walking along the road. It's weird. Like, there's just a weird whistling sound that happens all the time. Witnesses describe that it is oddly, uh, has a weird melody to it, um, and it's weirdly calming. Um, it's like, it's eerie, but at the same time, it's calming. It's very bizarre. Uh, yet deeply disturbing, again, as mentioned. Um, and oftentimes they are alone or they're in a small group and no one is whistling. Like no one's actually making a sound. Um, yet you hear this distant whistling sound that starts accompanying you in the woods. There are, again, a few EVP recordings and a few photographs that were taken in the area by paranormal investigators and amateur ghost hunters that kind of support what's going on. And again, I will be sharing this over on the Patreon for you guys and some of the photos on Instagram if I can find them. Uh, there are a few possible explanations, however, when it comes to the weird whistling sound. Uh, again, the railroad tracks are defunct, however, there are some across the river, and the clanging of, you know, freight cars hitting one another or kind of screeching to a halt. If you're a distance away across a river, it can maybe be misconstrued as being a sort of odd or distorted sound that you're not really aware of. Um, especially maybe if you're, it's in a distance and you're just driving away. I can kind of see a train being misinterpreted as, you know, a weird whistling sound. Like, we, we have a train track uh, at a wooded area not too far from where I live right now. And it's just a small train, um, like, a, like a commuter rail. And if you get deep enough into the woods, you can obviously still hear it coming and everything. Um, but it gets muffled pretty quickly. Like, it, you could be fairly close to it, and it can sound very distant. So I can kind of understand why maybe that is an explanation as to why there's weird whistling sounds. But again, I've never been there and I don't know personally, so perhaps there's something weird going on. But in conclusion, that is the weird and strangeness of Constitution Drive. It's just an eerie stretch of road who happens to have a very long history of violence and negativity to it. So there's really no surprise that maybe there are spirits that haunt the area, or perhaps just oddities are drawn to the weirdness. Um, but that's Constitution Drive for you guys. Um, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, this is probably like twice the length of what it was originally going to be for the episode, but I, I just found so much when it came to like the true crimey side of things that I, I kind of wanted to talk about it. And it helps kind of explain why the road is so infamous even to today uh, and why there's so many urban legends associated with it. Uh, but until then, uh, that's all we have for Constitution Drive. Uh, again, I will be posting some of the EVPs and stuff over on the Patreon. Uh, and if you guys do enjoy these episodes and wish to support the podcast overall, Helping out the Patreon is a huge way to do so. We have a $1, $3, and $5 tier list over there, which gets you bonus episodes, monthly polls, news articles, extra series, and behind-the-scenes stuff when it comes to the brand and episode uploads pretty much overall. There's a lot of goodies, and uh, I'm always looking to add more, so 
you're interested, please feel free to check it out. Otherwise, though, if you're not able to help financially, I totally understand. Uh, however, if you could leave a five-star review, that'd be awesome. Uh, you could do so over on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. And yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, you can find us on pretty much every platform. Uh, we're over on YouTube now as well, getting uploads uh, a bit more consistent. But otherwise, uh, you can find us at Realm of Unknown on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, pretty much everywhere. And uh, again, we have the Realm of Unknown website. So be sure to check that out as well. And until then, remember to stay spooky. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.